Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. Y'all, let me tell you, today's guest is, first of all, she has a nice, sexy accent, and I think I can say the word sexy, on national audio. She's got a beautiful accent from Scotland in the UK, yes? And then she's she's moved to Brisbane, Australia. So from one place with a beautiful accent to another place, you know, it's, it is what it is, is what you like. I like to listen to people with beautiful accents because I have a beautiful accent. So there. So her name is Melanie Wood. Melanie is originally from Scotland, like I said, currently lives in Australia, moved there to escape. I love that escape everything she's going to tell us about in a minute and then she now started her own business to help women it's amazing because she actually survived an abusive marriage and she helps people with public speaking and just to help them share their stories and live their best life so without further ado let us get with miss melanie herself she's going to tell us a little bit more so melanie thank you so much for joining us today (laughs) thank you for having me so you heard my little intro i was so excited that i probably got carried away but if there's anything that i missed tell us about yourself anything that i missed out and tell us your story i can't wait yes thank you thank you for having me and and we we spoke a lot we spoke a little bit last week before coming on today and i wanted to start off with a beautiful intro and that's absolutely right like i i've been in australia for for six years now and definitely there's two reasons to to why i live in live in australia yes one of them was to escape from my life that I was living and I thought that if I came to the other side of the world that I would escape my environment, escape how I was feeling, escape all of those past experiences that I had and it's not until you come to the other side of the world that you realize that they come with you, like they come right through customs with you. I remember you said that, that was so funny, you you know as an immigrant and I understand completely the word customs. A lot of people don't know that. When you say customs, what customs you mean? Now, that being said, it is just a classic example of how the grass always looks greener on the other side. And then you cross to the other side and wait, it's fake grass. It's like, what? No wonder it's greener, you know? So yes, you're right. If you have problems, they come with you. But the test of your strength is how you finally stop and face those problems isn't it so is that what Definitely. you do yeah i'd say that the last six years have been life-changing because the the past emotions and feelings have literally just bubbled up to the surface 
and being here on my own, I've had to then, you know, find jobs, start a business. So there's been a lot more on top of dealing with past experiences living here, but I would never change it. To me, this is home to where I live in Australia. And the other reason to why I'm here is that, and I'll share more of this in my story when we get going, but it's always been a childhood dream of mine to immigrate to a warm climate because in Scotland, it's always cold. So um, Australia was never on my list of going. America was always my list of where I was going to go. And as we get in deeper, where we're going to unravel the reasons why I'm here in Australia and not in America. But Good. those are two of my big, big reasons to why I'm, I'm here in Australia. So I think, I think, I think the guests and the listeners, are, they, they're just like at the edges of their seats. Okay, what is the story? Spill it, spill it, Melanie, spill it. <laughs> so what's the story? How far back are we going to reach? Well, I will, I will take you back to when I was little, but then we will move forward to, to the reasons why I'm here in Australia. So I used to, I used to sit in classrooms as, as a little girl and I used to look out and think there was something bigger and better in life than sitting in a classroom. I was never very clever. I, I failed my exams. I, you know, I, I dropped out of school when I was 15 to get a job, but I just always knew there was something bigger in life for me than what I was currently doing. I didn't know what it was. Just just to daydream all the time out of the windows, the rain was falling down and I just used to think of warm climates. And I used to start going on holiday with my parents and then I started to, to go on my own. And um, we went to America quite a number of times as well as Europe. And I just, I loved the culture. I just loved experiencing travel and culture and, and different experiences. And I just knew one day it would happen I didn't know when or how I just knew that it would happen that I would come to another country and I would immigrate and I would live there so I started to do a lot of traveling on my own I then worked in Europe for six months when I was around 17 and absolutely loved it mm. and I came home that after that summer and I went, went to look into how to get into America and I signed up for Camp America wow. because then you had a visa to be able to stay in the country a little bit afterwards. And then I'd start to look about getting jobs. So I had my ticket. I booked up, paid for everything. I was going. And then I went out in a night out with my friends and back home in Scotland. That's quite a normal thing every weekend to go out drinking and clubbing and meeting people. So that particular night, I actually met someone and I absolutely no just way. fell in. I fell in love for the no for in that moment. <laughs> wow. That's really where, where a lot of my story begins. So mm -hmm. I met someone and we just spent so much time together. And I just thought I can't, I want to choose love than going to America, even though like it was my dream. I, I fell in love. Like, like we all do. We fall in love when we're younger and we just think we're invincible and this okay. is what we're meant to be. And oh, yes. I think, haven't we all? Yes. Yeah. And when we grow up with such a, a social norm of you go to school and you get degrees, you go to uni, you go to college, you get a good job, you get married, you have kids. It's one of those things where I, I sat in the fence with, but this is my dream here, but yet society tells me this is where I need to go. So I didn't, I didn't go to America and wow. I, I moved in with him. We got married and I was only 18. 
and he was in his early 30s so I was very young very impressionable very just infatuated like I didn't even know what love was I just thought this is what's this is what's normal let's just get married and have kids and settle down and this is this is what's going to ask you what your parents thought of that but you know that's another day's podcast another day (laughs) (laughs) I want to know what happened what happened to you how did you oh my goodness and yeah like I and we we got married within a couple of years like I was 21 we got married we got married in the Dominican Republic like it was beautiful it was fairy tale but I, I remember on my wedding day in the Dominican Republic thinking what am I doing this is not what I should be doing and I remember looking back on my wedding video years later and I was crying and I was crying and I thought these are not tears of joy these are tears of oh my god what the hell am I doing and I don't know how to get out of it (laughs) so between the years of like 18 and 21 I started to notice different things and I started to notice things weren't right like this was not love this was not how someone treats you But I think, and I'm sure many listeners could possibly relate when we get into relationships with guys, we think we can change them. We think, oh, that's okay. Once we get married, everything will be fine and it will, we'll be able to, you know, change them into the way that we want them to be. And being really young. I'm sorry. That reminds me of the quotes by, um, I think it was Oprah that I heard it say, but it was Maya Angelou's original quote that when people show you their true colors, believe them the first time. Because yes. chances are it's not going to change. Wow. No, so that must right. have been very hard for you. So after you, after you discovered that this was not it, I re- I, ironically, yesterday during my Facebook Live, it was about intimate partner violence. And I know you haven't said that yet, but I don't know, maybe, maybe that's where we're going. I'm not sure. But mm. that was a topic for my, my Facebook Live yesterday. Mm. And yeah, like it just, yeah, I just started to see, as you see, those true colors. I started to realize, and obviously I was getting into early 20s, you start to change, like your your mindset changes and you become more, you become more wise to things. And it only really started out very small things of like telling you, oh, you will, you know, you can't go out or you can't, you know, you we're married now you're settled down and you can't go out clubbing and go out with your friends even though he could go out and do all of that so of those course. little things at the beginning was more about the isolation away from friends and family and and I suppose I was young and I was naive and I I felt somebody that was a lot older than me had a lot more control and I think deep down in my gut I think I was scared so I just started to go along with it so I didn't really go out with friends and I didn't really meet up with my family as much as I wanted to because if I did and when I did then when I came home then yeah like it was just at the beginning was just making you feel bad making Mm. you feel bad for going out um, and then it really kind of started to, to escalate more because I did a little bit fight back on that okay. because as I started to get a bit older, I started to go, no, like I'm, I need to be out with my friends. I need mm. to be doing things. But it kind of ended up only being like friends' birthdays, friends' special occasions. Like it was never just hanging out with my friends. Like it had to be that there was a special thing to why we were going out. So I really became really isolated in that part of my life where I didn't, and I started to feel that 
I was married, I'd made my decision, I'd made my bed. And who did I have to talk to and say that I was experiencing this? Because all my other friends were getting married and I just thought, well, this is, this is just normal. And I didn't have anybody to talk to. Plus, I, I think I felt shameful and guilty that I had chosen to get married and this is the experience that I was experiencing. And I felt like a failure if I was to tell anybody that I didn't think that it was right. And I shouldn't be in it. Did you end up like depressed? And I mean, did you like spiral? Yeah, like my health really deteriorated. Um, I, I, a job that I was in, I obviously because of what I was experiencing is that I was probably not the best employee. Like I, I think I was reacting to things. People really didn't want to be around me and I didn't understand, but they didn't know what was going on. So I started to go through phases and workplaces with being bullied as well. So I literally would just go to work, put a face on. Um, and it was literally 24 hours, seven days a week of this kind of bullying mentality going on. So I never ever escaped it. So my health really deteriorated. Like one day when I was driving to work, I had to pull over the side of the road. I was just experiencing pain and cramps in my stomach. I got to work and I just collapsed and they took me to hospital. But there was nothing, like they couldn't find anything wrong with me. And, and obviously now later on, I realized it's just, it's down to stress and your body is just breaking down. But they never, they could never ever find anything. And they always used to say it was in my head. So I just felt like I was constantly going through this kind of mental, mental experience of, of just constantly in my head, analyzing everything and just feeling really low and depressed. And yeah, like it was just not a, a good time um, in my life at that point. And, and then to be, you know, as you're talking about your your facebook live and being with someone that you know doesn't doesn't love you or if they love you they, they're showing it to you in a different way and to be intimate with someone that is doing that yeah, but then if you don't yeah sleeping with yeah I, that's I was, right I that person once upon a time i know i know mm. i know it's um it, it's really hard to to do and and to to be in that kind of relationship and he was very much caught up in drink and drugs and used to bring it into the house um, at times. And of course, like I would get upset about it and get um, cranky about it. Um, and then it got to the point where he actually started to spike my drinks with drugs so that then it didn't create that havoc in front of his friends. And he used to blame it on his friends that were doing it. Um, and it wasn't until later on that I realized that it was actually him doing that. So what being you, caught what up in all oh of those. Goodness, yes. That is, that's just, and I, you, I can't even believe you just waking up every morning. I completely understand why your body was just shutting down. Mm. I can't even imagine. It's toxic. It was a toxic environment. Did you get counseling at least? Not at, not at the time, no, because I just, I kept silent. Like nobody knew. I just didn't. I didn't have the energy for it. And I just had to, it was like walking on eggshells every day, just never knowing what will happen. And I, I got to a point where I thought I need to get out, but I don't know how. And it started to really escalate more, um, especially around the drink and the drugs. And then I was starting to react to it. I was getting really angry about it. So then arguments would escalate and it got to the point on one 
one occasion and one of his friends was in the house and 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 he just like grabbed me by the neck and his friend actually had to come and pull him off me Mm. and um, I'm so grateful his friend was there because I I don't know what would have happened and there was times where I tried to get out the house and he wouldn't let me and I would call the police and and it's such a hard one to be in because the police now take action on that and they don't care whether you say no they'll just like take them and keep them in jail for the weekend and I thought well that's not really going to help my position so I just never ever called them again so it that that's the hard position where you're kind of asked for help but then that's not really the help that you need but it's a cry for help it's amazing that you said that because yesterday one of the things i discussed was the sheer numbers of young women age of course 16 to 24 not only women i mean we know men also doing do experience domestic abuse or what they call intimate partner violence ipv or in the case of teenagers, teen dating violence, TDV. But yeah. the point is, the numbers, they talked about 90% of those who were questioned all admitted to still being in the current relationship where the abuse was going on. It was in the current relationship. And about half of the women in college had experienced abuse at the hands of their partners. And it's just staggering the numbers. I don't have the my little cheat sheet here, but this would be a great mm. episode to air when I talk about that because yeah. a lot of those people, long-term effects include depression, yeah. anxiety, and of course, suicidal thoughts and maybe even yes. suicidal attempts and suicide. Who knows? If they don't kill That's you right. in the marriage, you might die. I, I was in a very toxic re- marriage myself. I, I know, I know uh, it was bad for me. I had to leave to refrain from being homicidal. I didn't want to end yeah. up hurting him, so I had to leave. Yes. It was hard. It was hard. Definitely. And and once you've been in it, you can see why people are still in it. In and it I think- yes, because I was in it for 13 years. I was oh, married yes, for 13 years. And it started, like you said, a little bit at a time and just little, little things that oh, I'm like, really? Why? Like, why? I was completely isolated. I couldn't talk to anybody. That was me. You know what? It's your story, so I'm going to let you tell it. But it was bad. It was bad. I completely know. I know you. I see you. I've been you. I know. So Australia was good. I couldn't get far away enough, but I'm in Texas and in Maryland. So it's not far enough, but. That's right. Wow. Definitely. Wow. So now I, I think I kind of have an idea. How did you cope in the end? Like then as things got progressively worse between home and, and work and everything, just I just felt like I didn't want to be here. I felt useless. I felt like a failure. I couldn't tell anybody about it. And I just, I used to, my safe haven was, was in the shower because it was somewhere I could be by myself. And I used to just sit down in the shower and just go like, what can I do to not be here anymore? Oh. And those are the thoughts that I started to go through. Like, you know, I never actually did it, but I did think about it and I thought how I would do it. And I remember thinking I was in the shower and I could just get the razor and, and do what you need to do. But I always felt like a presence in me to not do it. And we'll chat more a little bit about that as I, as I go along. But it was as if I had a guide like saying you're, you're meant for more and this is not your time. Um, you're going to have to build the strength to, to be able to move away from this. And that's exactly what I did. It was like a bit of a light bulb moment. And I remember, I remember, and I'm not a religious person, but I remember sitting in the shower, just 
just looking up going, if you help me get out of this, I will, I will spend the rest of my days being able to help other people. And literally I just sent that intention out and just said, please give me the strength of what it is that I need to do. That is and so powerful. I'm trying to write down everything you're saying. And I don't think I can catch up. <laughs> that is so powerful. You asked for strength and you made a pact and you made a promise. And did, yeah. did it help? Did it, did it help? Yeah, that's right. And then after that, there was a, an incident at home in the morning and he'd taken the car. So we had a shared car, but I worked like over the other side of the city. So I always used the car and we'd had a massive argument and he took the car and then I couldn't have it that day. So I had to get buses and trains all the way to work one day. Like it was just so far away and I was so upset. And I got to work and I really was trying to put that mask on, but I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And one of the members of staff that was there, she could just see right through me and she knew something wasn't right. And she asked me and I felt like I could trust her to, to say, um, and I just broke down and, and told her everything. And she had actually experienced the same in her past marriage. So she knew exactly what I was going through. And basically, like, she was my massive support for the next year. And she really helped me and supported me to financially get back on my feet, to emotionally get back on my feet. Because the thing, and you'll relate to this, and I'm sure many other people will, is that every time you leave, if you're not financially stable and you're not emotionally strong, you will continue to go back. back. There's such a thing as financial intimate partner violence, like this mm. financial control, spiritual yep. control, emotional control. Most people just think about physical, but yeah, yep. financial control also, that is true. That's right, exactly. So and you, I, I would say with Within a year, I, I did leave after that. Um, and one of the massive reasons was she really helped me to build strength, but also build strength against him with not always allowing him to tell me what to do. So it was building my strength, but it was also pushing back to him to basically say, like, you're not going to treat me like this anymore. And he started to realize, but then things started to get worse as well. Like the more I pushed back, the more he would push back. But I was starting to feel stronger in myself that I just thought I don't actually care anymore what happens to me because I know that if something does, I have given it my all to, to fight this. And it was one night out that I went with my friend from work and um, he was going to have all these guys back at the house, drink, drugs, everything. And she said, just stay at mine. Just call him up and say that you're going to stay at mine. So I called him up and um, he was not happy. He was so abusive, so angry on the phone. Mm -hmm. And she said, do not go back. And I believe that if I had went back that night, I wouldn't be here today. And mm -hmm. I never went back after that. I stayed really? at her stuff. That's amazing. I, I never went home. Wow. You left your stuff. I did go back and get it at some point um, with my parents did help me to go, to go and get that. But I had to just stay at my friends, then move back with my parents and then sort everything out. But I was in a position where I felt stronger. I felt I had financially built myself up as well with an, a separate bank account. Mm -hmm. So I was able to have more of a financial control, but also more of an emotional control to not allow him to, to manipulate me. Yes. And also 
with my parents knowing that this was the final time that I was ever going to come home and not go back. And we literally just put all the legal steps into what we needed to do to just get the ball rolling and just move past it. Thank God for you. Thank God you're here to tell the story. Thank God you're here. Thank, thank you for sharing your story. This is exactly what my podcast is about. The fact that we watched you paint the story from when you were young and how, you know, 17, you're just full of life and like a kite. And then boom, you just, as a kite does sometimes, get into a nice bush or a nice tree into the leaves and then you get tangled and oh, we have to cut the leaves. We have to cut the kite. We have to cut something to free you. This is classic. I love it. First of all, any advice for the rest of us? I mean, out there. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, after, after that happened, I did spend 10 years of actually not doing what I said I would do when I had that prayer. Um, and life became very cynical, very, I was angry about life. I was angry about everybody. I literally blamed everybody for the fact that this had happened to me. And then I was given the book, The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. And somebody gave it to me and I read it. And I just thought, oh my goodness me, this is absolute um, BS. I said, um, it's telling me to take responsibility for this thing that had happened to me in my life. And I thought, I, it's not my fault um, that this has happened to me. And I read it, I gave it back and I said, she said, what did you think of it? And I said, oh, you know, yeah, it was okay. She said, read it again with an open mind. And I thought, okay, I don't want to be closed-minded, so I'll read it again. So I read it again, and then I found out that it was the film. And as soon as I watched the film, I realized, and I thought, no, this is my opportunity to take responsibility for my own life. I'm not saying it's we need to make it wrong to what's happened to us, or we have to say it's our fault. But I realized from the day that I left, I needed to take responsibility for my own life. And everything that happened to me was my opportunity to respond to it differently, to change, to learn the lesson and move on. And that book was absolutely life changing. And it was literally before I came to Australia. So it was the stepping stone to re me really starting to look within. So I think that's my advice for people is don't make what happened to you wrong. Don't blame yourself. But we do have to take some sort of responsibility for the decisions that, and choices that we make and, and believe that you are made for better things. And that's only a stepping stone to what's happened. Sometimes we have to go through these things to learn a lesson so that it prepares us for what we're going to do to help other people. Um, and one of my... That's one exactly of my, what you're doing now. You're helping other people. That's, that's right. It's, it's taking me a lot. <laughs> a lot longer to do that yeah, but there, now for, for me starting my business is around that one of the biggest healings that we can ever have when we experience trauma is to share our story That's so right. for everybody listening that is scared about doing that I completely relate but the biggest healing that you will ever ever have is being able to talk about it, being able to share it. It doesn't mean you have to go back to the ins and out of every single thing that happened. I never go back to the ins and out of it, but I share the story because then people know where I've come from and what's happened to me to why I do what I do. But sharing that story is going to be your biggest, biggest healer and everything. And it will literally open doors to you. It will literally open the universe to giving you what it is that you need to do. 
Um, one of the amazing songs that I listen to every day and I have this mind movement of my life and, and where it's going. And it's called This Is Me by The Greatest Showman. And I love it because it talks about the scars. It talks about being broken and how people want to keep you down. And it's about being you and not keeping that mask on. I kept that mask on for such a long time. It was exhausting. This is the time to be able to take that mask off and wow. be you. Scars and all. Book again, please, so I can, I can put it in the show notes. The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. Sorry, I meant to say the song. Oh, the song? This is me, um, and it's in the Greatest Showman film. Okay, Greatest Showman. I'll definitely put that in. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I can't even, you know what, I, I, I just wanted to keep on listening. But we, we obviously cannot go on forever, but this is so good. And you've got the prettiest smile. I know the listeners can't see your face and can't see you, but you've got a beautiful face, a beautiful smile. And I just know you're destined for great things. I just know it. You've, you've come full circle. And I thank God for that. Thank the universe for sparing you, for leaving yeah. you. Many people set up on the journey, but... Some of us do yeah. end up making it to the destination of suicide, unfortunately. So this, this podcast yeah, is for fun. those of us who, who started the journey but never made it. And for that, I am thankful and grateful. Miss, I don't even know what else to say. Look, you've been just amazing. Melanie, do you have any final words for the listeners? I think just just basically find the strength, speak to someone. If you are in that position right now that I was, then really just find someone that you can trust to share with them. Um, I'm not saying that needs to be the time you need to leave, but it's just sharing with someone. And if you've experienced this the same as myself, and you just don't know where to turn to. I have still experienced the trauma and the PTSD. And those are still things I'm working through every day. Right. Again, don't make it wrong. Don't make those emotions and things that come up from the past wrong. It's just moving through. It's just the things that we need to process and we need to move through and keep building on that. Keep, you know, sharing your story. Keep on what you're doing and it will come to fruition what you're looking to do. And just go out there and empower, inspire, change through your own lessons and your own journey. Wow. Thank you so much. Can I thank you more than I have? Thank you so much. <laughs> I am definitely, definitely really appreciative of everything you've done and you've said and you've come through. I've been through all of that. I thank God for you. I thank the universe for sparing you. We are going to have to kind of call it a day now because I'm down to five more minutes on my time and I, I still want to talk with you, but what we could do is we could, you know, have you come back. I told you we're, you were going to, we're going to get two or three visits. Cause I want to talk about the work that you do. We didn't even talk about that yet. I want to talk about the work that you do. I want to talk about the future, what you think the future has, because you seem to be one of those who are in control of where their lives are going, where you can see it. Yep. I mean, it may not yeah. take you as short the time, but you can see it. And that's, so I want you to come back. Would you please come back Definitely. as a guest? Definitely. Yes, thank tell you. Tell us about the work that you're doing. And so Definitely. we all heard her. She said it. She said she's going to come back <laughs> as a guest. And we're going to hold her to it. Thank you so much, Melanie Wood, with a beautiful accent, originally from <laughs> Scotland, now living in Brisbane, Australia. Thank you so much for gracing the pages of suicide pages i cannot wait to speak with you again i want to know what you're doing how you're doing it and of course what the future has in stock for you thank you so much melanie thank you so much everyone all right ladies and gentlemen you've heard the story of 
Miss Melanie Wood, an amazing woman with an amazing story of survival and strength to just hang in there and hang on there. You heard her tell us how everything started from when she was very, very young, just dreaming about a better place, a bigger place, a warmer place. And then, of course, she was 17, she was young, she was in love, and she did everything that everyone else listening to me has done before, which has made a mistake, and that's okay, because luckily for her, she came back, she bounced back, and she's doing bigger and better things now. She painted a story of isolation from family and friends. She was controlled, she was scared, but she went along with it as long as she could go. Her health deteriorated, she was bullied at work, she was depressed, a lot of excessive domestic violence, drug use, just a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on. But luckily, even though she got to the point where she was choked by him and she even had suicidal thoughts and a plan in a shower with a razor blade, she didn't do it. She instead made a proposal to God and promised that if he helped her through it, she would do what she had to do to help others. Her parting words with us was to not be afraid to ask for help and not be afraid to talk to someone and share our stories. And I believe in my heart that that's going to be her, her legacy. The greatest quotes was, don't be afraid to share your stories. Don't be afraid to tell someone. Don't be afraid to know that you're not alone. And like her, the person that she spoke with happened to have gone through that exact same thing and set her on the path towards recovery and doing better. So like I say all the time, living life is hard. Everything about it is hard, but it's doable. It's doable. Just reach out and touch someone. Reach out and speak to someone and speak to me because I'm here. Let me know if you need anything. I'll do my very best to help. So this is Dr. Lulu signing off. Thank you all so much for listening to another wonderful episode on our suicide pages. As a matter of fact, I'm going to call this Melanie's page. All right. I'll see you all later. Bye.